This morning's sermon text is Psalm 78, verses 1 through 7, and Matthew 12, verses 46 through 50. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their, from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. This is God's word. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Robert Jones, and I have been here about a year, and it has been a great blessing that this church has, uh, for some reason, decided to hire me as their family pastor. And if you've been here the past few months, you, you've heard this announcement. Um, and uh, the Cooleys are there moving to Florida, so I'm, I'm stepping in to take over for Amy to lead Clubhouse. So that big rush of kids that just left, um, I've got a friend that's here at church with me. I said, that's the group that i got to help lead. And he's like, there's a lot of them. And I said, yeah, there is. Uh, so I covered your prayers um, doing this job. Uh, but my, So that will be my main responsibility as, as the clubhouse leader. But also uh, my goal is not just for the kids. It's, it's for families. Um, and so this morning, Chris has given me the opportunity to get to talk about family ministry. What does family ministry look like here at Renewal Church? Um, I'm a family guy. I, I love family. Um, I love the family I grew up in. I love my family, my wife. I've got four kids, under the, all under the age of seven. So I'm kind of in the... Kim and I, we celebrated our 11th uh, wedding anniversary last, last night. And so it was fun. It was great. Yeah, thank you. Praise God. That's right. It's all me. Um, I'm kidding. Uh, but, uh, but we just kind of looked at each other and said, we're in the trenches right now, aren't we? Um, Praise God that he's given us a strong love for each other in this trench warfare known as loving little kids. Uh, but it was, it was a blessing. Um, but I wanted to say something. Uh, and this goes for all of our pastors that we, we, are, we are extremely sinful. Um, I'm the family pastor that cusses at my kids. If I can confess that at you. Sorry, Chris, don't fire me. Um, they didn't learn the S word from TV. Uh, they learned it from dad. And I say that humbly. Um, I'm a flawed man and I'm a flawed family man and, uh, I hate that, but, but that's why I need your grace. I know I will offend you probably at some point in my time. That's a good, probably just did. Yeah. Thanks. I just did. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, but I, I want to say that because I want you to know that we're not, I'm not a, this perfect person to say that here's this ministry that we want to hold up and we need to have perfect families. We're, we're never going to say that. 
We are a broken, flawed people. We have broken, flawed families. And I wanted to say that from the get-go, so just to get yourself off, don't worry about that. You know what I mean? I cuss at my kids on the way to church even sometimes. That's horrible. You know what I mean? It's horrible. It really is. So, so give me grace. I'll give you grace. Our ministry, I want to start with grace today. I want to end with grace today. Let's give each other grace. That is, that is the praiseworthy deeds of God that we want to pass on to our children. Because here's one of the greatest things that I learned from my mom and dad, who also cussed in front of me, okay? Yeah. Is they, is they, is they, yeah, she's raising her hand. Yeah, yeah. Raise your hand if you cuss in front of your kids. I'm kidding. Um, confession time. Uh, one of the greatest things my parents taught me is, is to confess. Because when they confessed, they taught me the gospel. I saw my parents fight. I saw my parents fight with each other. I saw my parents fight with me and sin against me. And you know what happened at nighttime? I'd be in my bed. And my mom or my dad, whoever, whichever it was, would come into my room, get on their knees, and say, Robert, I'm sorry. They'd get on their knees and say, Robert, I'm sorry. Because I, my dad would say, I, I said some harsh words towards, towards your mom. And that is disrespectful to her. It's dishonoring to her. It's dishonoring to you. And I, I, I apologize to her, and I need to apologize to you. And they say, Robert, because I'm a sinner. I learned from a young age what it meant that my parents were not the heroes of my family, but Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ is the hero of your family, not you. Don't dads, this is especially for us. We want to be the, the end-all, be-all superhero, you know what I mean? To fix everything. Well, that ship is sailed for me because I can't fix anything. So that's, yeah, that ship sailed. But we want to be this hero. But, but we don't, I, don't, I don't want to be my kid's hero. I want, I want God to be their hero. I want my kids to put their hope and trust in God, Psalm 78. To, to, to sing of his praiseworthy deeds and not just, not just the parents, not just mine, because I'm broken and, and flawed. So the greatest thing I want them to see is for me to get on my knees, look them in the eye, and say, I'm sorry. And one of the, the best tools in, in the toolbox of a parent is, is the apology. Have you ever apologized to your kids? Have you ever apologized to your kids? I, I've asked people my age that for, did you ever hear I'm sorry from your parents? A lot of times they say, oh, no, oh, no. Have you ever apologized for your kids when you mess up? Because that right there is the greatest opportunity you have in that moment to teach about the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we sin, but we have a bigger Savior. That is, that is the, the hallmark of, of our, that I want to be of our family ministry. But, uh, so, so you can see, I have, I have a strong, that wasn't even half in my notes, but I, cause I, I could talk forever about, about my desires for, for family ministry. I, I have lots of convictions about the family, that it truly is one of God's greatest keys to representing himself to the world, telling the world about who he is by looking at a family. First of all, he calls himself a heavenly father. He didn't look at the family unit and say, ooh, I like how this, this, this man is over these kids his family and watches over them, I think I might call myself dad. I might call myself father. No, no. It, he was originally the heavenly father, and he patterned, he created the family after his own relationships. He created, he instituted family. It was not given to us by a government. It wasn't given to us by a man. It was given to us by God. And so how I love my kids should, should aim towards being like my heavenly father towards me. So I want to be unconditional towards my kids. I want to be abounding in love towards my kids. So we sh I should represent 
by the Heavenly Father to my kids. In the same way with my wife. The Bible is very clear. Jesus is called the church's husband. Ephesians 5 says, Husbands, love your wives like Christ loves his church, who is the husband of the church. So that the way I love my wife is an example to you of how Christ should love you. So that if I were to, to dishonor my wife, I am dishonoring the picture that Jesus has for his church. So it's not, it's not some small deal when I, when, I misrep- when, when, I, when I treat my kids or treat my wife wrongly. I am marring the image that God has given us as a heavenly father. I am marring this great image of Christ loving the church. So it's a big deal. So I have strong convictions about family and why it is key to part of the way God represents himself and shows himself, communicates himself to the world. And you should expect me to say these things as your family pastor, to say that I believe how important the family is. You should expect me to give you a bunch of statistics about the breakdown of the family today in our country between husbands and wives and children and how many times a family eats together at the dinner table, table now. You should expect me to say these things because they're, they're hard to hear and they're important to hear. But let me say something to you that you might not expect me to say. Family, the family, is not my most important job as the family minister. This church's, Renewal's church, most important thing about our family ministry is not the family. It is, it is the church. My main role to the clubhouse kids and to use your family pastor is to not to always stand up here and talk about family as the most important thing because that is not the most, that is not the central thing to God's design for loving the world. It is the church. It is the church. That is why our church is gospel community mission, not gospel family mission. I don't believe what's going to turn this country around is the families getting whole again. Although I pray for that, and that'll go a long way towards it. But it starts with the church. The church is God's central plan to loving this world and sending out the gospel on mission. It is the church. That is my job as the family pastor because this is, how, this is, how, this is what Jesus did when he came to the earth over 2,000 years, years ago. He redefined what it meant to be a part of the family. Can you put that passage up again, the Matthew 12 passage, if you can get to it? There you go. This is a shocking, shocking statement by Christ because we know back then how important family was. It was way more the central of their, their economy, their, 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 their traditions, everything. The family was so important back then. If you, if you were separated from family, you were separated from from existence, really. You didn't have anybody to live with. You didn't have somebody to, to, to get food with. The family unit was so important back then. And look at what Jesus says. He says, while he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Shocking, isn't it? Imagine being the mother and the brothers on the outside. Like, how dare he say that? You know, you'd be mad. But he was 
he, he was even, he, he would offend his family to preach this new truth of God's family. We see that in the rest of Jesus' life that he, he had a greater relationship with his mom and his brothers. So he didn't, he didn't try to offend them necessarily, you know, on purpose or whatever. But he's, he, he's redefining family, that you are my brother, you are my sister, you are my mother, you are my father. That's, that's, we, have to, we have to learn this. This is one thing that I think this church does so good. What I'm saying now is nothing new to you if you've been coming here for a while. This church gets community so right. And this is one reason why my wife and I, when we first came to this church, we said, yes. This was in the conversation that I first had with Chris over two years ago, was the importance of the church. And I said, yes. He was putting words to thoughts. I, I don't know if I ever really thought maybe in one place, but he kind of went, duh, 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 and said, I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. So much of what I've learned about this is, is from just being in this church for the past year. I hope you've gotten this from sitting in, in this room. Is that the, the community is so important. The next verse, uh, well, I, didn't, I didn't put it up there, but listen to this, Luke 14. 26 through 27, it says, If anyone comes to me, this is Jesus speaking, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and his children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Ooh. What does he mean by that? You read those verses, you're like, what? How am I supposed to love my wife? What, 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 what he's meaning by that is this. That our love for Christ is our, is our central love, most central love. It should be so great, so such a priority for our love for Christ that it almost looks like hate for, for our family. Let me give you an example. So Meg, she's my, my middle-aged child, curly hair. She loves to ask me these type of questions. She says, Dad, who do you love most, me or Jesus? She, she asks me that all the time. And I say, I love Jesus more than you, Meg. She's like, oh, okay. You know, she's used to the answer by now. But I say, Meg, I still love you a lot. But I said, Meg, the reason I live my life is not for you. It's for Jesus. He's the one that gives me purpose. He's the one that helps me to know how to love you best. And she, then she always says, well, who do you love more, me or mom? Mom. <laughs> keep going, Meg, keep going, you know. She did say this the other day. She said, Dad, who do you love more, me or Auburn? And I went, you, Meg, You. I hate that she even, I'm an Auburn football fan, uh, and I hate that she even asked that because, and I told her, I like spent five minutes, and I told her how much more in all these grand ways I love her more than Auburn. I was like, if Auburn gets blown up and is gone from the face of the planet, I could care less because I love you, you know. I don't know if I said it right, but I'm flawed. This is the most important thing to our lives is Jesus Christ, and this is the most important thing we want to share to our children. If you're a single person in this room, the most important thing I want you to show to my child is your love for Jesus Christ. I'll get to that later, but I need you. I need you in raising my family. When my kids look at you, I want them to see someone that is flawed, but is taking their brokenness to Jesus Christ and is praising Jesus for it. I want you to be a part of the voices that... that, that tells my kids, the next generation, of the wonderful deeds of God in your life. 
That's what, that's what we need. So the Bible redefines our priorities as God, church, and family. And let's not think that it's God, church, family. No, no, no. I would look at it wrongly. It's God, church, family. Because Christ said that he, his body is the church. To leave the church is to leave Christ. So again, it is no small thing. If I were to leave my wife, what that would say to you is Christ's love for the world. It is no small thing if you were to leave this church over something, some issue that you have with another member. When you leave the church, there's, there's something serious going on there because the church is Christ's body. It is to be a place where we practice unconditional love. So it's important that we love each other. It's important that we have a priority for the local church, for our church. So the family ministry at Renewal, family is not the most important thing. That's what I wanted you to hear me say loudly and clearly. We do not privilege the family over singles. We do not privilege those with lots of kids over those with no kids. We don't privilege the family over the retired couple whose kids have left their home. Everyone in this room is vital and important to this church. Speaking to singleness real quick, singleness is a great treasure that our Bible speaks to. Oftentimes in churches, I've talked to people about this, singles can feel kicked to the curb, can feel like, what if I don't have kids? Do I matter to this church? Is this church, is every program that we have geared towards the marriage, geared towards those with kids? We're going to have parenting conferences because we need them. The <laughs> Lord knows we need them. We're going to have marriage conferences because we need them. And, we, and we need, if, you, if you're not married or don't have kids, we need you to support those of us that do. Again, because we need you. We need your support. We need your prayer. We need your help. We don't want to put the family on a pedestal because God has not put it there. I believe this is one reason why the church over the past maybe decade or so hasn't had a, a great biblical response to those dealing with same-sex attraction. Because those with same-sex attraction, the church has not been the place that has had open arms for them, has not been a, has not been a safe place for them. We haven't known how to, to treat someone dealing with that. In fact, what is sad is the LGBTQ community has been the place that has given community to those dealing with same-sex attraction, has given a family to those without a family. Because oftentimes those struggling with this, we don't know how to react. We, and and, and we, we put, our, put them at arm's length. And so they go somewhere else. But we know, as this church has discussed in the past, our position on those dealing with same-sex attraction is, is celibacy. And we, and, I, and we don't say that flippantly because we know how hard it is to say that. I know that if, if you're someone that deals with same-sex attraction and, I'm, and, and, and what you're hearing from, from the church leadership is that God has called you to a life of celibacy. If, if you don't see a path into marriage, if, you know, we, we do know that people that do struggle with same-sex attraction, that do get married to the opposite, opposite sex. 
and have wonderful marriages. But the Bible doesn't command somebody to do that. But it does happen, and that's, that's wonderful. But I, ha- but I know I have friends that, that deal with same-sex attraction that are not attracted to the person of the opposite sex, so they never see themselves getting married. So what is that person's role in this church? If all we're going to do as a church is just embrace the family unit, what am I saying to that brother, to that sister? We have to have an answer for you. And the answer is my family. That if you have been shunned by family, if you've been shunned by a previous church and you deal with same-sex attraction and you've, and you've suffered those, those results of that, when it comes Thanksgiving, when it comes Christmas time, please come eat, eat at my table. Open up presents with my kids. You are my brother. You are my sister. Christ is our husband. We are family. That's what this church is about. That is what we are asking you, if you are a family, to have an open-door policy at your home for each other. When we have community groups, that's what we're asking. So if you're a single person in, in, in this room and you had to spend last year by yourself during a holiday, I hopefully... People around you that know you hopefully will know this and invite you at the, to, to their table, to their home. But I, I don't, we, if, if, we, if our families, if what it looks like on holidays is just our families, our immediate families, then we are failing as a church. If there are people in our church that are alone during that time and don't want to be. That, that, that breaks my heart that... But I know that if, I, if I'm saying the Bible's position is for you to be celibate the rest of your life, well, that means you're not going to have a family of your own in the way I do. And I know that brings you pain. But I, I want to help comfort you in that pain. I know I can't take it away. The church, we can't take it away. But we want to love you in it. We want to walk with you through it. I want my family to be your family. That is the position of this church. If you're in my small group, can you come on up? My community group, can you come on up? I want to ask you to come up. Yeah, thank you. Church family is, like I said, it's important. It's our priority. The single person, the college student, the middle-aged woman, the widow, the single mother, the single father, the person with no kids, the family with six kids, you are important. You are family. But here's what happens. Our sin nature tells us to just protect our own. I got mine, you got yours. That's kind of what we think. And have you ever had, when, you, when you've watched uh, anything bad happen on TV over the past you know, few months, we can pick lots of different things. Do you not want to do, if you're, if you're not at home, what do you want to do? You want to rush home and grab your family, don't you? You want to pull them tighter. And so when you're with your family, where's Kim? Come here, Kim. Not Kevin, I said Kim. <laughs> that what you want to do is, is you see pain in someone else's life. What you want to do, you want to, you want to protect. You want to say, if there's pain, you want to protect. You want to get away from it. One thing I've heard Chris share so much that I've loved is 
we, we often think Christianity is me, my family, my quiet time, my Bible. I want to get to Jesus as fast as I can so I can be mature and robust, this amazing Christian, close to Jesus. And if that's how we measure maturity in Jesus, we're off. How we measure maturity in Jesus is, yes, knowing him, spending time in his word. But it it is this. Let's hold hands. (laughs) This is the picture of Renewal Church. This is family ministry. So that if someone is weak in our family, we're holding hands. I'm not trying to race off and forget them. We're holding hands and we're walking towards the cross of Christ together. So that when someone is weak, we pull them along. If they fall down, we pick them up. This is family ministry. I wish you had my kids with me. They could be sprinkled with all of them. That's one of the most beautiful things that when we have our community group, we meet every other Tuesday night, but that they get to love on my kids. And I need that. I need their support. If you're a family, your community group needs you. And, and you need them. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Amazing people right here. A year ago, we didn't, we didn't know anybody. And now I've got these best friends here that we look forward to every Tuesday night. We love these people. And our community group hasn't been smooth sailing. That's what we're going for at this church. It's to find people to love somebody. If, if, you, if you've been at the church for a while, I don't know, months, years, whatever, and you, don't, you couldn't look around some, and find somebody in this room that you could grab hands with, start praying for that. Come to us and ask us, hey, who, who, help me with this. I need to find community. I need help. We don't want you to be alone. We don't want you to fight your sin alone. That's one of the hardest things to do is fighting sin alone. You need somebody to, to, to confess to, to love, to love you in it. So with that, uh, I've kind of created a, a mission statement for our family. It's subject to change because I don't think I've run this by you guys. So y'all, the elders, y'all are welcome to change it. Uh, but if you can put it up, the first statement. This is our, you can in a sense say, again, hopefully it'll stick. Well, not, maybe not. Ultimately, our family minister at Newell Church exists to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and saving a spiritual family for the glory of God. So the emphasis is not on just our families, but it's on church family. What do you notice in this statement? Go to the, click to the next slide. Also, our family exists to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the center of this church. Click to the next slide. Jesus Christ is saving a spiritual family community. Go to the next slide. Also, our family ministry exists to spread mission. Gospel community mission. That is our church. We care ultimately about the family of God, seeing people saved into it. And when I mean saved, it doesn't just mean get them in. It means get them in and, 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 and us to live a, a abundant life together. God's salvation is not a one-time moment in our life. There's an aspect of that. 
but as an ongoing, everyday saving. So we're saving each other on an ongoing, daily basis, calling each other to, per- to persevere until the end. Gospel community mission. So that's, that's the main thing I wanted to hear you say, you to hear me say. But if, if just for the last few minutes, um, let me give you a few points about what our actual family ministry will look like a little bit. Um, so go to the next slide. I came up with another statement for that. Hopefully it'll stick. We'll see. But specifically, our family ministry, this church, exists to serve our kids and equip our families through loving relationships that proclaim the gospel and encourage them to respond by loving God and loving others. So click to the next slide. Gospel. We proclaim the gospel. At the heart of our family ministry is going to be the gospel. At the heart of our kids' ministry, clubhouse ministry, is going to be the gospel. One of the, one of the things that we uh, chose as the curriculum for our, our kids' ministry that we're going to then reinforce on Wednesday nights at our midweek is called the Jesus Storebook Bible Curriculum. It's the uh, Bible that we give out to, to new families that, that have children here. We give them out to you. Um, it's a wonderful book. If you've never read through this book, it's great for adults. Um, it's great for kids. We're going to use that in our ministry. Why? Because it gets the gospel right. It says at the heart of this Jesus Storebook Bible curriculum is that the Bible is not a, a bunch of commands for our kids to obey. It is about what Jesus did in obeying his father, coming to this earth and dying for us. So it's not about, the Bible isn't a bunch of stories about how our kids should act. It's how Jesus acted. Okay? We don't, I don't want to to put up a bunch of stories of the Old Testament or even New Testament and say, hey kids, these, these guys are great. You need to act like them. No, when that applies, we'll do it. But for example, for David and Goliath. I heard this when I grew up. I preached on this before when I was younger. Slap me, I hate it. What we say is with David and Goliath, there's Goliath and he's big and bad. And here's David that comes along and and kills Goliath. David was brave and and he took him on. So so kids, you've got Goliaths in your life, right? So, So go out there with bravery and with God by your side and slay those giants in your life. And that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? You know, I wasn't too off by preaching that, was I? But as I've learned the gospel, that's not the point of that story. The point of the story is don't be like David. You know what actually the point of the story, if if I'm putting myself in the story, I'm putting myself as the scared brother on the sidelines who sees the big, bad, evil monster that I can't handle. I can't kill it because it would kill me in a second. So I'm scared to death. I'm on the sidelines. I don't know what to do. So what happened? God sent Jesus, the new David, the perfect King David, to this earth who ran to Goliath, ran to the cross, cut off his head, and held it up for all to see. And I'm going to tell that story to your kids. And it's going to be awesome. And guess what? I'm not leaving out the, I'm not leaving off the part where David cuts off Goliath's head and holds it up for all to see. Because that's what Jesus did. That's Genesis 3. What did Genesis 3 say? In the curse, when God, when God was telling Adam and Eve about the curse, he says, the seed of the woman will strike your heel, Satan, but he will strike your head. And I'm going to tell them that, and I'm going to, I won't draw a picture or anything, but I'm going to say, that's what Jesus did on the cross. He took the cross and cut off Satan's head, 
so that you are no longer slaves to sin. Praise God Almighty. Let's worship him. That's right. Amen. And yeah, that's, that's what we're going to tell to our kids. Every Old Testament story has this. It's not so much be like Abraham, be like Joseph. Yes, yes, there is that because the New Testament talks about that. Hebrews 11 says we should emulate these great people. So we're going to do that, you know. But man, we're going to talk about the gospel. We're going to talk about their sin. We're going to talk about death. We're going to talk about hell. We're not going to skirt around the hard issues. We're going to do so gently, well, sensitively, I should say, truthfully. When our kids say, hey, why did that person die? We're not going to say because God needed another angel in heaven. We're going to say because the world is broken and sin and Satan are God's enemies. And God punishes that by death. And death is real. But God sent Jesus to overcome death, to give you life. Trust in Jesus today, little child. Trust in Jesus today. You don't have to be scared of death. You don't have to be alone in your sin because you have a Savior who did it for you. So don't, I'm not going to say, so Jesus was this perfect kid that you have to act like. No. Jesus was your Savior that you worship. Gospel is the center of our kids' ministry. Gospel is the center of this church. Next is, what? go to the next slide. Serve our kids and equip our families through loving relationships, community. When your child comes to our children's ministry, they're coming to a community where they can be known and they can be loved just as who they are. Where they have special needs, no matter who they are, they'll be known and they'll be loved and they'll be treasured. So if you are a mentor, that's what we need from you. We're going to have a mentors meeting in, I think, three Sundays or four Sundays. Um, we're going to put on announcements next week. And we're going to, I'm going to talk to you about this. I need you mentors. And we need this church to love our kids, to know them. There's another phrase you can use. They're broken. Our kids are broken, but they're beautiful. They're made in the image of God, Genesis 1 and 2. That image has been marred, Genesis 3. But Christ has come back to restore us to that beautiful image of God. So when they come into our, 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 our kids' time, they're going to have a loving community. It's going to be a safe place because we're going to love them. Comfortable Christianity is not going to be safe at our doors at, at Clubhouse Ministry. The easy little answers aren't going to be safe at our, at our ministry in that sense. But it'll be a safe place for your kids to come and get the gospel and to be loved, to be in community. And then lastly, next slide, that proclaim and the gospel and encourage them to respond by loving God and loving others' mission. We're going to send your little kids out on mission. We're going to train them next week. Sorry, next week, I'm going to do a series on gospel community mission. We're going to get to the Jesus Storybook curriculum in a little bit. And we're going to do gospel community mission for the next three weeks. And when we get to mission, we're going to teach them the bridge illustration. And then, then a few weeks after that, we're going to do mission again, and we're going to teach them the three circles illustration. So they know how, the slavers, they know the gospel, and they know how to draw it. They know how to tell it to their friends, to you. We're going to show, we're going to, I'm going to show them uh, Voice of the Martyrs 
we're gonna, there's some kids' versions that they do there where they talk about God's global purposes around the world and the persecuted church. And we're going we're gonna to get a global picture of what God's doing around this world. We're going to pray for our missionaries in this church. We're going to write you letters. Our kids are going to write you letters. Our mission that's going to the Middle East. Hey, let's go to the Middle East. We're going we're gonna to find out what's going on in the city of Memphis. And if you're in a ministry in the city of Memphis, you're going to come to our mission. You're going to talk about the mission that God's given you. And you're going to share about what God does through his people. And we're going to tell our kids, so you can do that too now. That's what Denise said in her ministry when uh, last week when she talked that, that she, she loves the students and then she sends them out to their schools to love those. We're going to do the same thing so that when they get to Denise's time, they're going to be ready. They're going to be ready. They're going to know what the gospel is. They're going to know what community is. They're going to know what the mission is to go out and spread the mission of Jesus Christ. And I hope that with their childlike innocence, they will see the brokenness of the world and say, Dad, why aren't we doing something about that? Dad, why do you spend so much time just just your, your little world? Dad, we got to do something because that's what kids are going to do. That's what Chris shared last week with Maya. She says, well, if I'm going to be a Christian, if I'm going to follow Jesus, I got to know how to share the gospel. That's the innocence and the bravery and the boldness of a child, of, of a student, of a teenager. And we want to draw that out of them. Because we're not going to bore our kids with just little felt little figures and put them on a board and say, yay, simple church, simple Jesus Christianity. No, we're going to tell them it's, it's exciting and there's a mission. And we gotta, we gotta, we're we got to be willing to die for it. Because God's been, he's had his, his, that's what he's been calling his family, spiritually to do since the beginning. So we need your help. We need more mentors. I need help on Wednesday night. If you want to come help out with midweek, starting next week, let me know. Uh, we need your help. This week. Yeah, next week. Sorry, Chris. Oh, I didn't know that. Whoops. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm ready. I'm ready. Um, <laughs> there will be nobody there at this midweek. No, I will be there. I'll be there. We need your help. And just as I, as I start, let me finish. We need your grace. Because we know as parents, we'll mess it up. As, as a church leadership team, we will mess it up, and we need your grace. We need your forgiveness. So that if I offend you, please, the fir- you know, talk about it with somebody close to you and get advice. But come talk to me, and, 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 and let me work it out with you. Let me apologize to you. But let's, let's talk about it. Don't, don't leave the church, you know. We, we need each other. That is our heart. Let me pray for us. Dear God, thank you, thank you for, this, for this, these people here, for my brothers and my sisters. Thank you that I don't have to do this alone. Thank you that I have other, other dads in this church to look up to and hear stories of, of how, how they're raising their children. I can look, look at that and, and be encouraged and be inspired how I see men that are loving their wives, wives well, that I can, I can say, oh man, I, that reminds me, I need to buy flour for my wife, that I don't have to do this alone, that I've got a community to, to live this life in. Lord, I pray that you continue to, to weave our, the heartstrings of our hearts together, God, to find true community together, centered around the gospel. Thank you, Jesus Christ, that you bled 
on the cross and that blood purchased a people for you. Therefore, I can say my body does not belong to me. I was bought with a price. Therefore, I'm to honor God with my body. That I can't just take my family and do my own thing, but I, I, I'm called to love everyone in this room, to love the believers. Give us the conviction, give us the desire, give us the ability to do so through the power of the Holy Spirit to love one another well. Pray that in Jesus' name, amen.